Rogue Radio. Now available on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com forward slash rogue country. Keep it rogue. What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of Into the Van. I'm Mike West and I'm really happy to be talking to you today. I've had a great week. I hope you have. Um, this episode comes out on Monday, the what day was that? That's the 7th of February. On the 9th of February, my track Mothman comes out exclusively on Bandcamp. I really hope you go listen to it. We've got it on Bandcamp. It's got a t-shirt, there's lyrics, there's stickers. We did a live stream on Saturday, which I thought was really interesting. It was the first time I'd done a Bandcamp live stream. And I was so grateful that people actually tuned in and commented and interacted and requested songs. And, you know, when you're playing like that on a live stream, you feel disconnected from the audience a bit. And it was, you know, heartwarming and reassuring that I've still felt that connection. I still was able to talk to people and have someone on the other end of the screen to join me in these things. But yeah, Mothman is out on the 9th of February. That's Wednesday in two days from when this podcast drops. I really hope you go check out. I'm going to drop a teaser in for you now. Red eyes in the dark. I really hope you enjoy it. I really hope you go listen to it. After Bandcamp on the 9th of February, on the 9th of March, it's going to be available on all streaming services. But let's get down to it, guys. This is episode 44 of Into the Van with Alexis May. I'm really happy that I got to chat to Alexis. I really enjoyed her EP, uh, Killing Pain, Memories, and Time. It's a great EP that you need to check out. And this was a really interesting talk. It's great to talk to a songwriter who's living around Nashville and experiences that scene and experiences that style. And I really do enjoy EP, and I think you will. So I'm going to quit rambling. We're going to get down to it right now. This is episode 44 of Into the Van with Mike West and Alexis May. new music is there any real inspiration at the moment that you're channeling or is there anyone you're influenced by that you're really like using as inspiration for this um I think honestly I just took um I took a lot of time off from getting into the habit of writing every day and now Mm. that I've kind of put myself back into that um like a lot is just coming out of of like nowhere (laughs) and um it's yeah it's exciting I always get really excited when um I kind of go down the rabbit hole of just Mm. writing a bunch of songs so I'm happy to be back in that Mm. oh here's my cat (laughs) (laughs) and what were like the habits of songwriting every day that you kind of fell into to get into the habit of writing every day because I know some people like myself it's kind of as and when it comes to you Mm -hmm. yeah I think um for a while it's just kind of waiting for one inspirational moment Mm. and then the next day like going back and being like oh I kind of want to finish that song or you know being like okay I wrote yesterday I'm gonna write today because 
don't know. You ever like, you don't write for a while and you're like, I can't, I must not be able to write anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you do it again and you realize that you can. Well, Pete. <laughs> What's your cat's name? Phoebe. Phoebe. Nice. <laughs> yeah. But with that type of song, Rain, let's go like back to the beginning. When did you pick up a guitar? When did you start writing your own songs? Um, I wrote my first song when I was five years old. I remember that. Mm. Um, and I think I picked up my first guitar when I was seven. Um, but I remember, what was that? Do you remember what your first song when you were five was about or something about a dog? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really sure. Um, but I remember when I was 13, I wrote my first serious song. Um, it was about my great grandfather who had just passed. And I remember after writing that, I was like, wait a minute, this is like, this is kind of, this is a grown-up song, right? And um, yeah, ever since then, I was like, I should take this seriously. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, with, like, obviously writing from, like, five, playing guitar at seven, who were your early influences? What were you listening to as you were growing up? Um, so I've listened to George Jones all my life. I've always said that he's been my biggest influence. Um, yeah, and then... Uh, I mean, I got into like Loretta Lynn, everybody like that. Uh, probably one of my biggest writing influences, though, has been Brandy Clark. Mm. Um, I saw her for the first time, I think I was 15 or 16. And I just remember after the show, I was up all night that night, like playing her songs and then writing my own songs and being like, how did she how did she make that line work so well? And like mm. analyzing her as a writer. And I think she made like a huge impact on my writing. Awesome. Do you think there's any songs that really shine through those two influences? Um, I think so. Stylistically, I think I work off of if drinking don't kill me mm. a lot. <laughs> um, but uh, Brandy's song, what'll keep me out of heaven was huge for me. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think <laughs> there, there are so many. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's thing because I know George Jones is kind of like one of the patron saints of country music, but I still think he's quite underrated in the pantheon of like country artists, especially like coming yeah. from the UK. You obviously you always hear like Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, and then mm-hmm. it kind of goes Waylon Jennings, and then there's kind of like a middle bit where George Jones sometimes gets lost in, and I think <laughs> it's a disservice to his yeah. legacy, and it's. A really insane thing because a lot of people just herald him as like the country singer, mm-hmm. but it's still weird that he sometimes doesn't get the recognition he deserves. I don't think. Oh, for sure, yeah. Mm. I think that um, maybe, I guess he was kind of more like on the commercial side of things as well. Mm. But I don't think that I don't think that he was like so commercial that he wasn't like just a fantastic artist. Mm. I think that he should be appreciated for that more as well because he was always george jones yeah i think i don't know if it's one of the things that goes against him but he was probably before pop country was a bad horrible horrible term he Mm -hmm. was pop country in the way that it was popular music and country combined that it was accessible and crossing over like no other artist really had Mm -hmm. but um I read your, you did an article listing your top five George Jones songs. Was that a hard, like, pick? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, I kind of went back to 
like the first George Jones songs I remember hearing. And um, I mean, when I like, as soon as I was born, I was exposed to George Jones and my uncle used to play his albums all the time. And um, yeah, those were some songs that I feel like impacted me. I think I put uh, where, where grass don't grow on Mm. there as well. And I think that was a, when I got to college and um, I, I majored in country music. So there were a lot of George Jones fans around me Mm. and I heard that song come up quite a bit and it kind of, I don't know. It hit me different as an adult, I guess. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Where did you study country? Uh, East Tennessee State University. It's oh. a it's a country music and a bluegrass program. I think mm. now it's a bluegrass and roots. Mm. Yeah, I just graduated though. <laughs> oh, amazing! What was kind of the build up to going to college and choosing that to study? Um. So I've always so I grew up in upstate New York and. I don't know, from early teens, I was like, I want to move to Tennessee mm-hmm. and play country music. Um, and then I went to Nashville when I was like 14. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to live in Nashville, right? And then um, when it came time to look at colleges, I looked at um, this one here in Johnson City. And they had just like a whole country music department. I'm like, what? This is so cool. So <laughs> Yeah, it was like a, it was a no-brainer. I was like, I'm going to go to school for country music in Tennessee. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole one. Like, I studied music in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, it's a gamble, I think, when you study what you love, because it can put you completely off it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have that, like, time? Like, how long have you been studying it for in college? How long are you there for? Uh, I studied for four years, um, but I've lived in Johnson City now for, I think, going on five years. And were there any points where you're like, if I hear another fucking country song, I'm going (laughs) to. I mean, I think when I was studying um, like bluegrass history, when I had to like go down like a certain, Mm. I don't know, because I'm so stubborn and I'm like, I want to listen to what I want to listen to right now. And they're like, you have to listen to this song specifically five times over and tell me about it. I'm like, but I want to listen to Waylon Jennings. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I don't think I've ever gotten sick of country or bluegrass though. (laughs) I did um, an essay and you had to pick a song to write, like, I think it was like 10, 15,000 words on. And the lecture at the beginning was like, do not pick a song you love because mm-hmm. you're going to have to listen to it <laughs> so many times. You'll fucking hate it. Yeah. And I picked Steve, Stevie Wonder's Living in the Sea, which oh, okay. I, I do yeah. love that song. But for, a, I, for a while, I didn't listen to it for a good few years after I'd written that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like a kind of like making a record where you know you're listening to your own stuff over and over again mm-hmm. and you're like and then you start realizing all the lines that you could have changed or yeah. <laughs> yeah with it kind of like was it interesting to approach country from a more academic side was the like obviously it hits you emotionally music as it's supposed to but when mm-hmm. you dig into the academic and like the theoretical side of everything did it give you like a great appreciation of it to impact your songwriting down the line yeah. Yeah. And it got me really excited about country music um, because until I um, started going to school there, I had no idea that like the Nashville number system existed. And I was like, whoa, there's enough people to like take country music seriously for this to be a thing. Hmm. Um, and that was really cool because where I grew up, like people listen to country music, but they didn't listen to like Waylon Jennings and hmm. Tammy Wynette. Um 
And then I get down here and people actually appreciate these artists. And yeah, it just made me really excited. <laughs> and what's the Nashville number system? Um, so it's like, um, it's, it takes the music theory and it breaks it down into numbers mm. like, and you know, whatever key you're in, that's number one. And then it goes on to, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, kind of like one, four, five or like the blues yeah. type thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. All the one, four, five stuff. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I have to find myself doing that sometimes. I'm like D E F G. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm with, so you moved from New York to Tennessee and Nashville. Was that like an adjustment? Obviously New York, I've now been to the States, but I imagine New York's like this huge thing and Nashville would have its own change of pace. Well, I come from upstate New York, so it's like I came from a really small town. <laughs> um, and a lot of people don't a lot of people don't know that there are small towns in New York, but I came from one. And um coming down here actually and being um like I live in Johnson City, I go to Nashville all the time and it's like there's a lot more people here. <laughs> where really? I came from. Yeah, so it's kind of like I think it's the opposite of what people would expect. Um, because I was so like used to being in a small town and now I live in a bigger city and I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of people down here. <laughs> it's almost like a country song reverse where it's like from the small yeah. town to the big town. <laughs> cool. But with Nashville, obviously, have you been playing around uh, John, like, John, what is it? Sorry, Johnson Town. Johnson City. Johnson City. Have you been playing around there in Nashville much like live? Um, yeah, I play around Johnson City quite a bit and um, kind of like uh, East Tennessee and um, like Southern Virginia. Um, yeah, I'm I'm actually supposed to be moving closer to Nashville soon. So I'm hoping that I can uh, kind of expand my shows over there more. Hmm. Cool. And what's kind of the reaction been like? Is it primarily originals or are you throwing a mix of covers in and stuff? Um, I try to keep everything... Like I try to throw in as many originals as I possibly can. Um, and it was really cool because I actually just booked a gig um, and the venue had asked me to just do originals nice. after I'd sent them uh, some of my songs. And I was really excited about that. I'd say at least if I'm doing a three hour set, I would say 75% is going to be originals. Oh, awesome. And I remember I first heard the songs you had on your website, which mm-hmm. was, I think it was like White Lies, uh, Running With a Pistol, and those mm-hmm. types of songs. But then when you brought your EP out, those songs on, on that EP, was there a decision behind, was it writing completely new songs, or is it just kind of saving everything and just writing as and when you can? Um, so picking for my EP was really difficult because I've written a few hundred songs, and, um, <laughs> and I had to limit it to four. Yeah. And so I kind of chose four that went with like the idea of just like being completely brokenhearted. Um, and I felt like those ones kind of went well together. Mm. Um, there's a couple of cheating songs and a couple of just like hurting songs. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I've always wanted to re-release white lies though. So I'm really hoping that I can. And is that something you're planning on doing? Cause obviously you've done the EP. It's kind of like you do an EP and then, an album is that what the pipeline is for you um yeah i'm i'm hoping that i can release a full-length album soon i actually um at etsu they helped us make our eps Mm. as like a final project 
And um, so I got to like be in the studio and produce it all by myself and everything. So that was really cool. And now, you know, I have the ability to go back and do that. And I'm like, yeah, I really want to finish, go back and do like an LP or like just have all new songs. And Mm. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And with, obviously you said you've got like hundreds of songs. I assume thematically there's quite a variation. So would it be like with the EP you did where it's, you know, a lot of heartbreak and sad songs, would it be like the same old like thematical concept for the album or would you want to try and vary it? So there's, you know, a wide range out of those hundred songs you pick a ton of different topics. Yeah. Um, I think if I, if I were to do a full length album, I think I might want to mix it up a bit, but I would still want to stay with like some kind of similar trend. Mm. Um, I don't know. A lot of my songs are just about being sad. (laughs) I think that's going to come up um, a lot. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. But I don't know. I haven't, I think I would just want to pick my favorite songs at the time, probably. Mm. (laughs) And with writing sad songs, is that like a catharsis of you? Because I was literally just talking to uh, my friend Josh about George Jones because we were just talking about like being sad and putting on a George Jones songs. And it is one of those things where you have to kind of work through sadness and work through grief and sad songs help you do that. Is that your process for writing and listening to those type songs? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. It's, you know, I, I grew up a very anxious person and I've struggled with depression a lot. And I think that like, it's very comforting to have a sad song when you're sad. Yeah. Um, Cause I don't know, listening to happy music all the time just feels like <laughs> that's a lot of pressure to be happy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it, it helps me work through a lot of that. And um, just, I don't know. It just, it resonates with, with so much of my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's hard with sad songs. Like I know I've made like Spotify playlists that are exclusively like, trying to make me cry mm-hmm. <laughs> do you dip in and out of like genres when it comes to sad songs or is it like country through and through it's like probably 99.9 percent country mm. something like a really random kick i've been on lately is billy eilish and that's surprising oh, yeah. for me yeah. um because i've been like why would i listen to anything other than country music yeah. but yeah because she has some good sad songs too <laughs> Yeah, she does. And um, my partner showed me like more of Billie Eilish's stuff. I couldn't get into the album, I think, with Bad Guy on. And then the new one came out that had some songs that I really like enjoyed. Yeah. And then there's that kind of <laughs> sad girl TikTok whispering rap genre mm-hmm. that's come out. And there's a few little gems in there that I've been enjoying. Yeah, for sure. I really, I really enjoy her new album. <laughs> yeah. Are there any other artists outside of country that you've really been enjoying listening to or that were? kind of influential on you as you were growing up that you haven't really like put through your music obviously as a country artist um i listen to i listen to some like classic rock mm. i listen to some like hair metal bands too oh, yeah like who? Um, it's like molly crew <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i yeah i don't know i'm bad with the genres and things like that when it comes to anything but country music but yeah I don't know I also I listen to a lot of Rolling Stones mm. but I feel like that's kind of a lot of people do so. yeah. 
and with kind of what you've been doing now you just brought out a new song what about your little girl what mm-hmm. was the process because did you write that two years ago did I read yeah I wrote um so every like my my father's birthday is January 18th and mm. every year around that time he's just like on my mind and um yeah so a couple years ago it was getting about that time and I was thinking about him a lot and I was like you know what I'm I'm just gonna I think I was like ready to walk out the door to go hang out with one of my friends and I'm like I'm just gonna try to write something really quick and that song came out in like less than 10 minutes and it mm. was one of my most like I think honest pieces that I've written so far um but yeah his his birthday was coming around again this year and I was like I should really I've been wanting to release something since my EP and I figured that it would be a good uh dedication song Mm. was it hard to obviously you wrote it in 10 minutes was it hard to go back to it and play again and you know do you put it into sets and things as well yeah I do um it was yeah I think Every time I play that song, it's like, because I like to connect with my music really well, I kind of have to go into that place Mm. of thinking about my dad a lot and being like, I'm singing a song about missing somebody. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's difficult. Every time I play, it still is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a hard thing to do with grief is like, you never get over it and it never really Mm -hmm. stops hitting you just learn to live with it a little bit better but it's still there and it's a really hard thing to try and process because people will be like you can like get over it or you know get through it and that's just not really an option I don't think for mm-hmm. grief especially with someone who's been such like important part of your life oh for sure well um with like that type of song has what's the reaction has other people like relates because I I listened to it and I was like fuck like it's mm-hmm. such an emotional song that you can connect to. Have you had that reaction when you've been playing it live and you had people reach out to you about it? Yeah, I've had some people reach out to me um, because, you know, whether it's about losing a father or losing somebody else in your family, it's like, I, I think the song is about just like living without somebody. Mm. Um, and I've had a lot of people talk to me about that. And um, something really cool that's happened is a lot of people who knew my father um, have reached out to me mm-hmm. and you know said man he would have loved this song mm-hmm. and that meant the world to me yeah. so <laughs> that's so sweet yeah and have you got any plans to release obviously you wanted to get something out after your ep are you looking at going back into the studio anytime soon or is that something for next year maybe um i would i would like it to be soon honestly i recorded the last one in my living room so <laughs> um yeah I don't know if I if I can get back to the studio soon I would really like to I think moving here soon is gonna kind of throw a wrench in a lot of my songwriting and producing plans but (laughs) when when Uh, is you looking at moving I'm hoping about May June Mm. oh cool (laughs) and the EP was recorded in your living room did you say no that was recorded in um that was recorded in the studio um my the the single I just released what about girl i recorded in my living room so <laughs> yeah what's your um setup at home to record that because that sounded great um i just have like honestly just like my little interface a little cheap mic and i use um pro tools and mm. um i isolate myself under a blanket <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, nothing too fancy at all. <laughs> oh, awesome. I think that's like the most important thing is as a musician in this day and age, you don't have to, like, obviously it's nice to go into studios and it's nice to have, you know, thousand dollar mics or something if you can, but you can create something really great and meaningful without mm-hmm. having to spend like thousands on it. Yeah. And I think honestly, like the session wasn't more about like, how can I make this sound the best it possibly can? It was like, how can I make this sound like authentic and like be a good dedication to my father? Mm, So yeah. yeah. And it was kind of, it took a lot of the pressure like from being in a studio Mm. off. And I feel like that kind of helped me just be a little bit more real. Yeah. Yeah. No, great. And with the P killing, pain you had studio musicians in how much did you rehearse beforehand with those musicians um so they were they were all fantastic musicians so <laughs> uh i sent them the charts and they came in they killed it in like half an hour so <laughs> um of course i was the one laying down tracks i think my vocal tracks took me like 12 hours <laughs> um but yeah they came in and I feel like I, I barely had time to hit record and they were already laying down these amazing tracks. <laughs> so. mm. Was there any discussion about the kind of vibe or what you wanted from it? Or was it just kind of let them loose and see what they did? Um, well, they um, I've played with most of them before, so they kind of knew my style and I kind of told them, you know, I want this to be real classic honky tonk, like, classic country i want something that would make george jones proud Mm. Um, and they got it (laughs) no that's amazing with kind of that standard is it hard to you know write and produce to you know obviously just make george jones proud such like a wide statement but i really think you fucking did i really love your record is it hard to listening back to it to go to like is this what like and then to try and like tweak it a bit more or what were you like at one point it was like we have to leave this alone now and yeah I mean I think that's kind of like any time recording (laughs) um yeah there were times where I was like could I could I add a little bit more like yeehaw to this (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah overall I think I think I kind of I think I did what I set out to do mm. um but i would love to have a fiddle on my record too so. <laughs> mm. yeah and obviously with kind of your, your country music background growing up and academically do you have an idea of what a perfect like country sound is because i know there's constantly arguments over the internet of what's real country what's not mm-hmm. what's kind of your take on what real country is I think real country is like it's like honest country mm. and it's something with steel guitar. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, I don't believe a lot of what's coming out of Nashville is real country. Mm. So <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, but honestly there's there are a lot of songs that are like if they're honest, I feel like they they connect a lot with country yeah. music. Yeah, cuz I've seen people argue and I remember one guy was like if it doesn't have a fiddle, it's not country at all, mm-hmm. which kind of <laughs> excluded so many like songs and artists. And it was like, yeah. I was just watching <laughs> the comments blow up for this guy. And I don't know if he was being serious, but it's always such like a hotly debated thing. Obviously the steel guitar is like a huge marking of it, but do you think like, 
it's hard with country man because i think like metal from like mm-hmm. my experience always has so many subgenres that everyone goes yeah. clear cut like this is black metal this is death metal that's power metal that's hair metal and country has such like a wide range of things and it does have some genres but no one really tries to put them in like and call it i think everyone just calls it country and that's where the arguments stem from yeah um yeah i i definitely see how like all the different genres can like i don't know they make it difficult <laughs> yeah um i think it also kind of gives a good platform for a lot of artists who don't necessarily fall under like hank jr category mm. or um because you look back at like um you know waylon jennings and then there was tammy wynette they are so different but i don't think anybody could say like these two people are not country mm. <laughs> um yeah <laughs> yeah it's hard and then like it gets more convoluted with like outlaw but was that a movement and not a genre mm-hmm. and it's got such like a turbulent history country that it is really hard to, like pin down and there's always arguments about it in the way that mm-hmm. i never really see it in any other genre yeah yeah i don't it's so difficult i don't know i don't think i could argue that you know one one side of country isn't country unless it's pop (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's a i think there it's weird because i feel like there was an outlaw movement that started the genre (laughs) yeah Yeah. on what kind of because i know outlaws like hotly debating stuff what do you think was like the movement and then what was like the genre were they the same artists or was it like different albums from each like it like segment or era um i don't know i think it was just like you know like billy joe shaver guys like that who were just like i'm gonna go do my own thing Mm. (laughs) (laughs) and then that kind of sparked a lot of people being like that's cool i'm gonna do that too (laughs) um but i don't know i don't know if i could like you know say a specific specific time or a specific person i just think that it was um something that came together and that was really cool and now you know there are people that um kind of follow the sound or just look up to that sound and like i don't know I don't know if my music would fall under like outlaw country, but I know that I've been influenced a lot by those guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard with outlaw. Cause I know sometimes it can just kind of be an image and it's like this one person said fuck on stage. Now they're an outlaw. And it's like, are, <laughs> are they though? Yeah. Are they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's all about just like, just being like being the real cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> Like, there's an authentic cool, and then there's, you know, I'm going to look cool, cool. Mm. (laughs) Has it been hard to, like, find, like, your voice and remain, like, authentic to yourself? Because I know authenticity can be a challenge for musicians, especially in country or any genre where there are such, like, archetypes. You Mm -hmm. almost start to, like, ape them and try and take what you can from them and sometimes lose your own voice. Was it hard at any point to like remain true to yourself or find your own voice um I think I've always like I've always been 
like whether I wanted to be or not, like completely myself. <laughs> and, um, but I like when I write songs sometimes and I listen to a lot of old records and they're, they're playing songs about drinking and, you know, going in bars and things like that. And then I write a song about drinking and going in bars. I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> I'm just being a copycat. But, um, I don't know. I think, I think I've always had like a weird way with words that I've somehow been able to remain pretty authentic. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything when you write a line and you look at it, is there a degree of analysis and rewriting to get it to that point? Or do you find like it kind of comes out on the first draft? Um, I think it, it depends. Um, but usually I'll write an idea down mm. And then like, I can write one, I I can write one idea and then kind of rant for a whole page and then be like, so in conclusion, (laughs) this one line, (laughs) and then it's like, it's a decent line, but it took me a long time to get there. (laughs) Mm. What kind of like examples do you have? Like a song that comes to mind when you think of that or a line that reminds you of that process? Um, I think when I was writing, um, pain memories and time Mm. I was just when I wrote that song I was like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna see what happens I'm just gonna go down this weird idea I don't know Mm. it was pretty much like I just had this idea in my head of like this person who's drunk Mm. and what is their thought process like and I just kind of kept writing and writing and writing and then like some some ideas would pop up and I would be like, How, I can like go way farther with this idea. Um, and I think uh, it was a uh, bourbon spills. I tumbled down and I was like, okay, bourbon, tumbler, bourbon. And then I just kept like messing with those words. Mm. And that line came out of there. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's so interesting. And it's, it's interesting to write from a character's perspective if you use the, like throughout stuff because obviously I, I can't remember who wrote wrote it but I remember someone saying it's lazy to assume all songs are written in the fig from that singer's point of view it's like all characters mm-hmm. and stuff are there other songs like obviously you got like she might be the devil things like that are they like character driven songs as well oh for sure um yeah I don't I think all of my songs that even if I start wanting to be like this is from the perspective of Alexis there's always like a million different personalities in there. Mm. But um, yeah. So something interesting. I read Sally Field's book mm. and she talked about when she was playing like Norma Ray um, and she had to completely become that character. So sometimes I'll sit down and I'll have an idea in my head and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to completely become this person. I'm going to act like them. I'm going to talk like them. Like all day, this is how I'm gonna be, and then the song comes out of that. <laughs> really, what song? What song have you gone like full method songwriter on? Um, definitely, she might be the devil. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, what? What would happen if I were married and somebody took my husband, and then you know, I just lost my mind. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. With obviously reading. Sally Fields do you read a lot of autobiographies and things like that to get a sense of different people yeah I read I read a lot of books about country musicians um 
and actors and yeah I really like seeing different perspectives I think that it also helps me write because like I don't know I just I like learning how other mm. people work yeah and then like how can I how can I make a person that's kind of like this person mm. <laughs> yeah what country or like autobiographical or whichever what books would you recommend for people to check out <laughs> or what are you reading <laughs> at the moment uh I'm reading a the the biography about Tammy Wynette right now. Mm. I've been reading that for a while because I'm a slow reader. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but honestly, the Sally Field one was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I just finished the I got the Matthew McConaughey one last year, which yeah, is really I've heard interesting. So much about that. <laughs> yeah, it, I I really enjoy him as like a person. I don't know where I kind of fought but he's just a really interesting person because you don't know what he's going to like kind of say or do and mm-hmm. his book was a really interesting perspective into that and um, mm-hmm. so I really recommend that if you're not ready I've got him um, Satan is real over here the uh, Leuven autobiography and just how much of like a bunch of psychopaths those kids were in oh, the yeah. beginning <laughs> it's just terrifying yeah um, I'm gonna have to check that out um I think probably next the next one I'm gonna read is a uh... Janice Joplin. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> oh, cool. I've got um, Buck Owen's autobiography on the shelf to read. Oh, yeah. At some point, <laughs> but I buy so many books and just have them sat in a to read pile that I never get around to and it just gets mm-hmm. taller. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, I could read right now or I could write a song. <laughs> yeah. What else do you do outside of songwriting and reading? What's kind of like in between those two things? What do you enjoy actually doing? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i like watching snl (laughs) uh i don't know gosh i feel like being a musician takes up so much of my life Mm. it's so all-consuming especially not just like the songwriting and researching and trying to get enough experience and working out your own mental state to write stuff it's then all the mm-hmm. ad- admin side of everything and the social media and booking shows and things that it mm-hmm. is hard to get anything done in between that yeah i will say i do go to dollywood a lot that's something that consumes a good portion of my life how often do you go to how far away is it from where you live it's about 100 miles away from me mm-hmm. i think yeah but yeah so i get a season pass every year and I just go whenever I'm bored. <laughs> I've never been. To, what's actually in Dollywood? It's just like, um, so they have like a lot of really big roller coasters and stuff. And they have like carnival rides, but they also have bluegrass music all over. Mm. And that's really exciting. <laughs> oh, cool. And are there other theme parks and things or is Dollywood like the biggest one around? I think it's the biggest one around me. Yeah. It's the biggest in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I think every time I go in the hopes that Dolly will be there. So that's all I really care about. Yeah. And, and, she, <laughs> and she's not been so far. No. Um, I think one of my friends said when when she was there, Dolly had made an appearance for like five minutes. And so... Ever since I've heard that, I'm like, I have to be there at all times. Just in case. <laughs> Just in case I get to, like, catch a glimpse of real-life Dolly. Have you not seen her live? <laughs> no. No. I want to so badly. <laughs> Same. I remember she played 
I think it was was it on the Blue Smoke tour. She played Liverpool, mm-hmm. and I wasn't. I think I might have been like two thousand and four, so I might have been mm-hmm. like and. 2014 and I think I was like early 20s and I wasn't really listening to much of his stuff and mm-hmm. I always I, I go oh so and so's there that's cool I don't really know much of their stuff and then that kind of prompts me to listen to everything and mm-hmm. then I love them and realize that I should have just gone in the first yeah. place <laughs> do you catch much shows around where you are and heading to Nashville um once in a while I get to catch a few shows I haven't I haven't been able to go to a lot of concerts. I mean, especially with COVID lately, but um, yeah, between work, having a day job and then on weekends having like shows, Mm. it's difficult to catch a lot of shows. Yeah. Yeah. What was the last like gig you were? Like that I played? That you went to see. Oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I saw Kendall Marvel. Um, he was in Johnson city and it mm. was like, uh, it was at the, the down home, which is a really cool venue. It's also like, like a really intimate setting. And that was awesome. He's an amazing songwriter and like an awesome performer. Mm. Cool. Have you got to like open shows for anyone yet? Or have you been sending those type of emails out to get the support slots for those type of guys? Um, I haven't gotten to open for anybody yet, but yeah. That would be really cool. <laughs> no, so far I'm playing with a Mike and the Moon Pies in April. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward <laughs> to that. I've been really fucking jamming their album lately, so that's yeah. gonna be a fun one. With kind of where you are in your career, do you see, like, obviously trying to get out into national stuff? Have you kind of looked at touring or? what that kind of situation would be obviously you have a day job and things is it difficult Mm -hmm. to get that far out of town to play those type of shows um I think it's somewhat difficult but I try to make it more of a priority than like Mm. my day job because you know that's because I I I say that I'm a musician so that's yeah that's what I have to put first Mm. (laughs) um so yeah I I try to book shows you know far enough in advance where i can um put that first on my list for for that day and so i can dedicate time into making the set and Mm. um, working on each individual show but i would love to just be able to like tour full-time that would be awesome (laughs) it it will be the dream do you have like a community of musicians where you are now with all the musicians you kind of play with and gig with Mm -hmm. yeah um so it it's really cool because um, having gone to ETSU, I know everybody who was, you know, playing bluegrass and country music in the area and um, playing shows. They get to meet new people all the time. I also go to this really cool thing called Woodsong. Mm. And um, it's pretty much just like a, it's a songwriter's retreat and it's a workshop. And I've gotten to meet so many awesome people through there. Um yeah, so I kind of go, I go all over the South and mm. hang out with really cool musicians. <laughs> cool. Is there anything you've picked up from those workshops and things that you've really like took home for songwriting? Um, yeah, I think um, writing, uh, like a being concrete in songwriting, that was mm. one of the lessons. Um, 
In what sense being concrete? Sometimes you just, um, you know, you write a line 50 times over and you're not fully happy with it. But um, yeah, Louisa Branscombe, who runs the workshop, she, she, um, she told us to put a rock in front of us when we write. And mm. sometimes we just have to say, this is it. This is the line that I'm going to work with. <laughs> mm. That's really interesting, I think, because the guy kind of view songs as that's the best I can do at this, mm-hmm. t- at this time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you might have a line that's better down the line, but then should you even put it in the song? Because that's then, you know, a snapshot yeah. of your life at that time. Yeah, I think it, because songwriting can be so indecisive and sometimes I'll work all day on one song and realize that I was only like working on one verse mm-hmm. for hours. <laughs> and if I would have just, you know, let one line go, I could have finished the whole song and then maybe went back to that one line. Um yeah, so that that has been helpful for sure. Mm. And with your songwriting, do you write kind of simultaneously guitar and vocals, or do you have like an idea come to your head of lyrics and try and map that out as much as you can before you add chords to it? Or? Um, I think it's kind of a combination. A lot of times, so I write songs at work, or you know, when I was in school, I would write like all of Spanish class, and that's <laughs> probably why I was in Spanish for so many years. Um, but so, you know, when I'm occupied with everything else, I can't really come up with a melody as well, Mm. but when I'm sitting at home and I have my guitar available, I like to kind of work with those together. Mm. Cool. And what type of guitar are you playing? Uh, I play a Martin, uh, Dreadnought Cutaway Performing Arts Series. Mm. I don't know much about, (laughs) um, yeah, I don't know stuff about like, the wood and oh, stuff like that but yeah. it's a martin so yeah that, that's the main thing i had martin and dreadnought was like that yeah. is a good <laughs> how long were you at that for uh i got it right after i graduated high school five years <laughs> nice yeah and is that like do you have like a backup to that or is that like your main that's uh, my horse? main yeah that's my main guitar um i played like a fender acoustic in high school i think um so that that's in New York, though. I just I play with my Martin because yeah, it's is, Martin. <laughs> yeah, is it the Martin's what you recorded everything? Yeah, on European and you want on. Cool. Yeah, I I just I always love talking guitars because I don't know that much about them. I know like names and shapes and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but it's just I just love looking at them and you know going yeah. to a guitar shop <laughs> and just like playing about. And it's like everyone knows if you're in a guitar shop, you are there to buy stuff most of the time mm-hmm. just there to, like, noodle <laughs> around on them yeah i went to uh carter's in nashville for the first time and mm. they're like world famous guitar shop and i was like i don't even know if i should pick one of these up <laughs> <laughs> but i did i played a few tellies and it was awesome <laughs> mm. would you look at like because you've just started working with a band to play live would you mm-hmm. look at going to picking up a Telecaster for your main guitar to play during us? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think I would still probably always have my Martin with me. Um, but I would love to. I'm saving up for a Tele right now. But mm-hmm. yeah, I would love to be able to play a Tele on stage. And especially now, I, I've always been like a rhythm guitarist. And now I'm getting more into like lead guitar. Mm-hmm. And I would love to be able to do that on stage. 
What type of lead stuff are you looking at? Like, who are your kind of lead guitar influences? Uh, Merle Haggard. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> cool. And what have you been doing to kind of like practice? I know because I kind of start out as a lead guitarist first and then mm-hmm. switch to chords and stuff. Is there anything you kind of do to practice and get into the, the lead guitar frame of mind? Um. I think uh, when I was at ETSU, um, my last semester, my professor was teaching me a lot of lead guitar stuff. And I kind of took some things that he showed me and just like played it over and over again, tried to get a little bit faster and then like moved up the neck and was like, okay, how can I do this in a different key now? Mm. Yeah, it's a slow process for me, but Mm. I'm learning. (laughs) Yeah, that's the best thing. And it's always just fun to do with the band. How long have you been bringing those guys together to rehearse uh, so my band shows. right now i think we've been together like four months mm. but i've been playing with i think i've been with like nine or ten different bands since i've been down here because uh we're in bands in like at etsu we were in a different band every semester mm. so oh, really um, yeah so i got to play with a bunch of different bands i was also in a band a few years ago called state line shoals and we got to play a few shows in the area. Um, yeah, now I have my own band, the Alexis May Band, and mm. it's really exciting. Yeah. Is it a different dynamic going into like a student band and then switching to those student bands to what it has now? Do you feel a bit more like it's it's on you if your name's kind of at the front? It's like the book stops with you. Is that a lot of pressure yeah. for it? <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's scary because like now I'm worried like gosh, what if we have like a flat tire and we don't make it to the gig? Yeah. <laughs> That's a big deal. Um, but yeah, I feel really like I need to, I need to make a really good set list because I'm the one making the set list mm. and people are going to know that. <laughs> um, and I want to, I don't know. I can't just be like, well, it was a slow show because it's a school show, you know? <laughs> Um, is it the same kind of set list that you approach it as when you're playing solo or do you choose different songs to work with a band that you've not necessarily played much as a solo act um I think they're similar um but I think when I'm playing solo shows I'm more singer songwriter type Mm. and like oh I can play this really sad song because you know I'm I'm by myself. I'm probably not in a place where everybody's going to be like, let's go. <laughs> um, <laughs> because, you know, you hire a full band because you want a full band or you hire a solo artist because it's maybe a little bit more of a laid back environment. Mm. But when I'm making a set for my band, I know that we're going to be playing in honky tonks and bars and people are going to want to dance to Hank Jr. So I have mm. to be aware of that. Yeah. <laughs> And have you played much as the band into like honky tonks and bars? Uh, so we're we're just starting uh, gigging as a band. So we have a few shows lined up um, in a couple of months, and yeah, we're gonna we're still kind of seeing how everything works, seeing how it all goes. Mm. Awesome. Well, we're getting up to kind of like the hour mark. I don't want to keep you too long, but what's your plans for kind of 2022 and going into 2022? So you got the band shows coming up. What else are you kind of working on live and in the studio wise? Um, I'm just, I want to, I want to write new songs and I want to write, I want to get out of my comfort zone a little mm. and write different, uh, 
not like not not necessarily like not country mm. um <laughs> but maybe different topics get out of the um you know barroom scene in my songs sometimes but yeah i would love to within the next year or so be able to put out a full length album yeah is there any kind of topics or themes that jump to your mind that you kind of want to tackle because i know i've i'm about to release a song next month about mothman which mm-hmm. it's a fucking giant moth and it's <laughs> you know it's a weird thing to kind of sing about and like i introduce and I, it gets kind of a laugh because it is a weird thing to sing about but it was an interesting try and like find an in to why i'd even bother writing a song about mothman it's mm-hmm. when you kind of find like something to latch onto have you looked at that with like different topics and things yeah i think honestly i have like i'll wake up and have a dream about like a totally random topic and be like that would be interesting to write about but also like i think where i've i've written so many cheating songs (laughs) like oh my gosh (laughs) but i really want to just kind of i want to write a song about one person Mm. and that has been very difficult (laughs) Hmm. and what type like writing about one person is that like one person in your life or one character I'm not sure I'm not sure yet I Hmm. I'm thinking I would like to I would like to make up like an interesting character like who is somebody who is song worthy Hmm. um and just make them interesting enough to not have to bring more people into the story Mm. Oh, that's a really interesting I like I love um the guitar by Guy Clark mm-hmm. it's like that like that story is just about two people in a pawn shop but it's oh, yeah. such a gripping tale that like you could do a short film or even you know a series or something on that someone could have like grown that into such an interesting mm-hmm. thing and it's those individual character things that are so interesting to listen to mm-hmm. for sure Cool. Well, I don't want to keep you too long, so I'll let you go. But thank you so much for uh, making the time to do this, Alexis. I'm a huge fan of like what you've done, and I can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah, thank you. It's been fun. And that was episode 44 of Into the Van, Into the Bag. Thank you so much for listening. I do really appreciate it. Check out Alexis May Killing Pain, Memories and Time. Her EP is out now, available everywhere. Go check out Mothman, which is available exclusively on Bandcamp on the 9th of February. And then it'll be on all streaming platforms on the 9th of March. Keep supporting the things you love. Keep doing the things you love. Till next time, my friends. See you later.